Today, on the Basketball Manitoba podcast, we have Keith O'Mara. Keith is a graduate of Grant Park High School, where he finished his career second in the province. He's a former member of the Manitoba Provincial Team, playing for two summers. He went on to play at the University of Manitoba, where he was Canada West's second team All-Star, and helped the team return to the Nationals for the first time in over 30 years. In only four seasons with the Bisons, he finished his career fourth in total rebounds, seventh in field goals made, 6th in assists, 10th in blocks, 7th in steals, 5th in games started, and 4th in minutes played all time. After his 4th year, he decided to start his professional career, where he's played in Norway, Ukraine, France, Iran, Spain, and Sweden. He's represented the Nigerian national team starting in 2017 up into 2021. Keith, welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you having me, man. We've been... uh... Trying to get it together for a while. So I'm happy we're finally here. <laughs> we have, we have. No, it's it's, it's good. Um, you know, you obviously were playing overseas, and we, and there's a few people <clears throat> who we've been trying to get on. They're playing pro, and it's like I keep telling Adam. Adam's listening right now. I say, Adam, like, just leave them alone, man. Like, they're it's it's too crazy with the time. Like, you know, the time difference, yeah. and like you're playing, and it's like it's, it's too hard even for me to coordinate. So it's like off season. So we're actually gonna. I think we're our plan is to get every person who's played pro in this summer we're going to try to get everybody so that'd be awesome yeah so man i want i kind of want to start with you know what we've kind of i don't know it seems like it's over now i'm hoping it's over now this this pandemic i don't know if it's ongoing forever but you got to start playing pro before the pandemic Mm -hmm. and then the pandemic happened and you continued to play pro so you know i was just curious on a personal level what are some of the biggest challenges that when you're playing professionally during the pandemic, you're in another country, um, you still have to compete and play basketball. There's all these limitations, you know, sometimes some places, depending on where you were, you couldn't even like go outside. So what were some of those biggest challenges uh, for you personally? Um, For me, it was a large part of being overseas um, for me is the experience of getting to travel and experience other countries. So obviously during the pandemic, like the rest of the world, a lot of these countries were shut down. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't go and explore. You couldn't really like get the kind of vibrant city life that you would normally get. You wouldn't get the full experience from some of these cities. Uh, so that was kind of tough. You know, on the other hand, it was just kind of like the NBA. We didn't have any fans. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of basketball players, um, they feed off they feed off the crowd. So their games would change. But for other players, you know, um, the crowd kind of adds another uh, element of pressure to them. So they were playing better without the crowds there, right? Uh, but for me, it was just kind of the life outside of basketball that was uh, the difficult part because it came, became a lot more challenging for people to come down uh, and visit too. So, you know, nine, 10 months overseas without sing- seeing a single uh, familiar face, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of tough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then this last, uh, you know, last run here, uh, where were you playing? And then had things changed quite a bit? Because you were, you were playing like in the actual lockdown like yeah, nothing was happening, and then things started opening up a little bit. So, mm-hmm. what was it like when things started opening up? You must have been like, "This is this feels great." Yeah, you know what? Also, that's kind of a double-edged sword a little bit, though, because because you couldn't get people to come see you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things were closed down. But when things started slowly opening back up, um, I was in France at the time. Okay, so it wasn't busy tour season. So for me. Uh, for me, it was my first time in France, uh, staying in Paris, and I got to experience that without any kind of um, travelers or anything mm-hmm. like visitors, anything mm-hmm. like that, right? So I was in the Louvre. I was standing in front of Mona Lisa, 
I could have stood there for three hours and no one would have walked by. <laughs> for real? Right? I could have, I, I walked in, walked right up, no line, no nothing. I just stood there. I could have stood there forever. Right. Mm-hmm. But you try to do that now, you're going to be waiting two hours in line just to get to the front. So yeah, it was kind of like, so in that kind of aspect, it was cool because I was able to see, I was able to see things kind of more at a expedited process, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So this year, um, back to your question. So when I had left Canada last September, um, you know, we were a full on lockdown uh, and I went to Spain for the first four months from September to December. Um, so it was kind of just like it was back home, you know, uh, mass mandates everywhere. You kind of, you know, social distancing. But I, in December, I had left and I went to uh, Sweden. So mind you, at this point, I'm kind of accustomed to the mask. We all kind of are. It's just kind of the way of life at the moment. Uh, but when I had to Sweden, Sweden never had closed down. So when I had got off the plane, immediately there wasn't a mask in sight. And I was just kind of like, oh, you know, like, I guess like, Right now, specifically at the airport, they're like not really caring about the rules. And then the next day I woke up, I was put on my mask, I walked out the house. Um, and yeah, I didn't see a mask anywhere. And I was kind of like, oh, right. This is like what it's like kind of getting back to like normal living. I remember for the first little bit, I would leave the house and I forget like my mask or something like that. And I'd run back and go get it. But like no one out there was doing it because they were back to back to normal immediately. They actually didn't shut down like that. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was a, weird but also a very refreshing adjustment going back to normal life out there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah I, I, that was sweden's always the country everyone uses it's like look look at sweden they're not they're not doing this yeah so I, so you had mentioned like it seems like you are someone because i've I've, sp- I've interviewed people or talked to people who play pro and they actually don't really like the travel aspect of it or learning new cultures they're just kind of like whatever you seem yeah. someone you like you said you enjoy that part of it so when the the pandemic was happening you obviously have way more time to like reflect or, or do different things did you have mm-hmm. do you have any any um shift in mindset or perspective during that time that you now have that is is has changed you radically or is it just more business as usual um my mindset kind of during the whole time um my kind of shift was kind of exactly that getting out and exploring more and seeing more of what the world has to offer mm-hmm. um because you know if if anything showed it during this whole process it kind of how fast things can be taken away right mm-hmm. um you know, we couldn't leave the country, we couldn't go X, Y, Z, so on and so forth. But fortunately enough, I was able to be over there still. So getting out and getting to experience like all the different cultures um, and kind of at their purest form with just the locals, that for me was like a big shift. Like I need to kind of really dive in into this a little bit and kind of get to experience it. Nice, nice. When I was younger, it was just like, go there, play basketball, sit at home on Netflix, you know, and like just, just playing and hooping. But now for me, it's kind of like, it's a kind of a combination of both, you know, like there's places I would go back to, countries I would go back to, but I, I want to experience the world. And this is kind of like a, you know, playing basketball professionally. The bonus is I also get to see the world kind of for free, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've, I've definitely know exactly what you're talking about. I've experienced that personally. And it's, uh, I, 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 it's difficult, like you said, when you're younger, you don't really value those things. Yeah. But I know some yeah. people even older that don't value those things. Like they just don't care. And mm-hmm. it's fine, but that's like your existence is going to the hotel, going to play whatever basketball, then going back to the hotel. And for me, like that's like, 
Yeah. That's hard, man. Like, that's like, what are you doing? You look outside, like there's a whole world out there. Exactly. Man. Everybody, everybody's different. I get that. But like, for me, I'm not like a, I've never have been a video game type of guy, but you know, mm-hmm. guys, one thing I understand why people bring it overseas and spend so much time with it. Right. Because that's one communication of back home, right. It's a lot yeah. of communication to play with your friends and your family and all that. And I get that completely, but it's never been me. So for those guys are like, well, what do you do if you don't play video games? Anything else? Yeah. you know anything else you would do back home i can yeah. do that here right i can yeah. read a book yeah. watch a movie go explore right so yeah yeah I'm, I'm happy for me i don't have that because it's one it's you know it's kind of one less tie to staying inside yeah absolutely absolutely well okay so i always i've been asking people about the pandemic but again we want to talk about you like to start the beginning so i want to kind of start the beginning with your story but first i want to start with the beginning of my story and knowing you so (laughs) it's super interesting because you you probably don't know this but you know my first memory of you was was back when i was coaching college or high school whatever i was coaching often and Mm -hmm. went to go watch grant park play at grant park i have no idea who you guys were playing i couldn't even tell you why i was there but the one thing i do remember is seeing you play for the first time and you're like you know you weren't as tall as you are now but you're you're tall for like high school yeah. i think you were probably like six six one six two at the time and this is grade 11. you're silky smooth you're taking these tough like pull-up jump shots and like in people's faces and you're making them though right rebounding you know attacking the basket you're like pretty much playing the point you're just doing all the stuff that you that you obviously continue to do um, but that was the first time I saw you and I've been a fan of your game like ever since, right? Like, and, and it's weird to say that, but high school, you probably know this as an adult now, high school coaches, they talk about kids all the time and it's kind of weird, but they're talking about their game, right? Like, oh, yeah. have you seen, hey, that Keith guy, oh, and they, and they debate it, right? And so always been a fan of your game. Um, but I, I say all that just to say, well, what are some of your first memories of basketball? How'd you get involved with the game? Who introduced Ooh. you to it? Where did you play? Yeah. Okay. Um, my first kind of memories of basketball, I uh, was in elementary, Carpathia Elementary School. <laughs> you had these like low, like six foot nets. Um, went there from you know nursery to grade six, and that was kind of like just playing at recess with my friends. Mm-hmm. You know, just wanting to touch the rim the whole entire time I was there. Finally, like grade five, being able to do it. Mind you, it's like a six foot rim, like I said. Um, <laughs> but playing there was kind of like what sparked basketball for me. And then the first kind of team I played on was the uh, downtown YMCA, playing for mm. playing for them, right? And that's when back when I don't know if they still do it now, but like the downtown Y would play against like the South Y and like yep. so on and so forth, right? So yeah. that's kind of my first team setting of basketball. And for me, it was just kind of like. You know, me and my family, we didn't grow up with like the most means, right? You know, we were Manitoba housing. So for me, um, basketball was one of those games where it's like all you needed was it wasn't expensive. You know, hockey's a yeah. very expensive sport to play. Yeah. Uh, basketball is you just need a ball, go find a rim, right? Mm-hmm. So that for me, that's what it was. And it was like simple. So I kind of just fell in love with it, just got rolled the basketball, and I would just be outside for hours playing and playing. That's nice. kind of where they, the love for the game started. Nice, nice. And so did, did you play like, was it just like guys, the kids from the neighborhood? People yeah, for with? sure. There was just like a gang of us, like, <laughs> as you know, there, we had a, out my back window, it was kind of like the community field. And, and if you will look outside, if you didn't play, see people there playing soccer, 
you knew you were playing, they were playing basketball. So you'd either walk out and play soccer, or if they weren't there, you'd go walk out to the basketball court. And I would just play with guys in my community for hours and hours on end. Nice. Nice. Do you remember when you started to take it seriously? Like, was it in high school? Was it um, like when I you're like, this is a serious thing for me. Not like I'm like, cause you probably started to realize you're good, right? Like, okay, yeah, I think I'm good. Yeah. But do you remember that moment? You're like, no, no, this is what I do. I think like, I think back then it was like districts. You're playing districts, not like club ball. Mm, yeah. um, I was like, I played uh, for districts. I played for Alex Barra on uh, Mayhem. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I was like, okay, like, I really like this. Like, I I feel I'm really good, but I don't think people reciprocated that yet. You know? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that's back when, uh, what was it? Um, hoop Life? You remember Hoop Life? Oh, uh, of course. Forum? Of course. Yeah, I, remember being on, <laughs> I remember being on Hoop Life and, like, you know, other basketball players already would be, like, ranking each other and, I would never be in those conversations. And I'd be like, damn, man, like, you know, what do I got to do? I feel I'm better than these guys. So I remember just like being on that site. Oh, that's hilarious. I could be like that. Hoop Life. Hoop Shout life. out to Hoop Life. Oh, my you, goodness. Oh, you, um, you know, they had to take that down because it was so like people were just starting to go at each other. And oh, it was, it was toxic, man. It was were, very, it yeah. It was toxic, right? But all you were hoping is you would see your name on one of these lists that some random guy wrote or yeah. some random girl. Yeah. Just be like, oh, yes, you know, I feel like I feel yeah. validated now. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a, man, what a funny <laughs> time. What a funny I, I forgot about Hoop Life. I forgot about that right now that's hilarious but um i think it was like i think it was my grade nine my grade nine year or grade 10. i was always serious about basketball but i think it was my grade nine year i had some like growing pains you know i had the oscar slaughters like through the roof so i couldn't <laughs> really like i couldn't really be what i wanted to be because i was trying to grow into my body which was very very painful at the time but I knew I wanted to take it very seriously. So for me, I think the grade nine year was where I was like, I'm going to do this. <laughs> this is something I'm going to do like long-term. Yeah. 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 So along, along the, along the line of our life, you know, we meet a lot of different coaches, mentors. So who were some of those early ones for you? Like, did they exist in junior high or was it not till you got yeah. to high school? Um, so, so for me, what really kind of sparked the uh, ambition to kind of be the best that I possibly could uh, was, uh, my teacher and coach at Grand Park, Russell May. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he was the one who kind of planted the seed. And, uh, you know, prior to that, Alex Barr kind of instilled hard work. This is like back when we were younger and, you know, we were really busting our butts on the court. You know, there was no mm -hmm. kind of quit. There was no, it was like hard nose kind of basketball. There was no letting, you know, being the soft, if you will, kind of. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that was kind of my first introduction to it. But then LeMay kind of took that to another level. So once I started playing under him, it was since my grade nine year, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was like mentor to me. He was kind of like a second father. He was like a father figure to me, you know, like mm -hmm. a second father. Um, he just really looked out for me and the guys on the team. Uh, we really had a, still have a very good connection. Um, so since then coaching under him, he was like my first and earliest role model. Um, and that's what really kind of got me going on the path that I am today. Yeah. Shout out, shout out to Russ. Shout, shout out, out to Russ. Man. Yeah. Just the, 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 I, <laughs> I remember Russ, Russ would always crack jokes cause he'd be like sore or like, or he'd be like kind of sore. And, and I, I remember playing and like, I'd be warming up and he just, you know, he just like clowning me for it and stuff like that. But <laughs> I was there when he popped his Achilles. Oh, 
So I remember he ruptured his uh, Achilles. I was there, I, I, and I, I saw it happen. And I didn't. I don't know if I clowned him after. I'm like, this is why we wore we got mad. Come on. <laughs> but yeah, no, Russ. Russ uh, is a good team, man. Russ is a good guy. Russ is a good yeah, guy. He was, he's a he's a he's a great guy. Yeah, it was, yeah. I remember. And he didn't have he didn't have no problem like telling me like it was right. Like like I said, this was when I was the time period of my ostrich slaughter. So I was. I think I grew. I think I grew six to eight inches in one summer. So when I came uh, back, I was like, I was like Bambi, man. I couldn't, I had no control <laughs> of my limbs. I had nothing. I was so weak. And so he would, he would get guys to go at me in practice and he would verbally like tell me all the time, like, you know, you're the worst <laughs> defender on this team. <laughs> he would like, no, he wouldn't hold back. Not in like a demeaning way, but he was, yeah, like, yeah. this is the reality of the situation right now. This, you know, you want to be here. Right now you're here. You be you had his little like one liners like you know paint him orange and call him a pylon, and, 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 like, all of that. So yeah, you know he was uh, he kept it real with me. He pushed me though. He, he, shout out to him to being a huge part of my uh, my journey for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, that's too funny. That's too that's too good. And so like obviously you 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 went on to play at U of M. Now there's an interesting thing, and I kind of I kind of want you to break it down here because you went on to play at U of M. However. In between, you took some time off. Um, we, <laughs> we, you were actually slumming it with me and the rest of us in the senior <laughs> men's league. No offense to anyone out there who doesn't think it was slumming, but hey, let's be honest. Like a guy, a guy of your talent level, like that young. Like one thing, if you're older, fine. Like play senior men's, you're done playing, yeah. right? But you, you hit still had years left, and I always remember like, like we'd battle. We had some really good battles and stuff like that. Our teams, but. It was always like, yo, is Keith going to play somewhere? Is Keith going to play? And it was always this thing, like, not only did we want you to leave because your teams are good and you're challenging us, <laughs> but we're like, yo, like, this guy's got to play somewhere, right? And so it, it was, I just remembered, like, that was like a constant theme. And when you went back to U of M, I was super excited because at that time, like, Kirby was starting to build stuff, right? He had just got hired not too long ago and he was, you know, like, it took a little while. But then when you went back, like, you guys had, like, a special squad, and you know, I mentioned in the bio, in the in your bio, in the intro there, just about how you guys went to nationals, and so I just kind of wanted to just talk about that that year a little bit. Like, what do you remember about that year? The guys, what made it special? Um, I don't know, man. What what are the first kind of thoughts that come to mind when I just bring up that year specifically? Yeah, well, going back to the beginning of it, it was kind of an interesting. The whole how U of M kind of played out. Um, looking back at it now, it happened exactly as it should have. Um, but when I was coming out of high school, uh, it really came down to me between McMaster and Manitoba. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember, I remember they had it, they came to an arrangement being that Manitoba would go to McMaster for a preseason and McMaster would come to the, the uh, Duckworth challenge at the time. Uh, mm -hmm. So they were trying to, they were, they were making it work for me from both kind of parties, right? Um, but for me, growing up, a young kid in, in Winnipeg, I was like, I just want to get out of here. I want to leave, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Winnipeg sucks, all of this, all this jazz, right? So I originally had committed to McMaster. Um, I don't know if it's changed now, but also in Canada, you don't, like, you can verbal commit. You don't have to sign. Yeah. So yeah. right after I graduated, I think it was three days later, maybe I was on a plane to Mac and I was out there for the summer, um, supposed to be out there for the summer. And Ogo, he was, he also coached me in high school with Russ. Yeah. Um, so he went on to assistant coach at the U of M for a bit. And as I'm on the plane going to Mac, he, I get a text from him 
And he's like, call me. And I call him quick. I'm on the airplane. I'm on the airplane. Like, Did you hear? And I was like, hear what? He's like, McMaster just fired the coach. And I was like, wow. The one who came down to recruit me? Like Victor Razzo? He's like, uh, or Joe Razzo, sorry. He's like, uh, yeah, they fired him. And I was like, well, I have to go. Plane's taking off. Hang up. So I fly out there. And this is on my mind the whole time. And I'm landing. And the, some of the teammates pick me up. And they're kind of, you know, just space filler conversation. And I'm like, kind of like, okay, is someone going to address the elephant in the room? Because I've heard about this and I've heard about it from the other side, not from here. And they're like, oh, yeah, I kind of explained that whole situation. So the new coach came in um, and I was there for a month and a half, I think. And it just wasn't the same. I, I, I committed to the coach. I committed yeah. to the coach and the program and what he brought with it. And when he, when he kind of left, if you will, um, kind of got shown the door a little bit. Uh, what he brought to the table also left with him, mm -hmm. right? Because they were also, people were also committed to him because sort of sponsors and whatnot. Um, so I was out there and I was there and I kind of realized, you know, I didn't want to be away from home anymore. And also it wasn't the right fit for me anymore. Yeah. Right. So choosing between the U of and U of M wasn't like, um, let me decide between a coach. Both coaches were great. Uh, they are great. It was also kind of, I wanted a life experience. I wanted to go travel a little bit. Yeah. You know, I've been in Manitoba my whole life. So while I was out there, I said, you know what, this is for me. I wanted to come back home. So talk to Kirby. And he said, we still have a spot if you want to come back. Talk to Ogo. And he was just like, well, we told you in the first place, you should have stayed here. <laughs> <laughs> Ogo would say that. Ogo, Ogo kept it real. He's like, well, yeah, maybe, maybe we don't want you now. Let me come home. Uh, so yeah, you know, it ended up working out. I came back, played here for two years, played at the University of Manitoba for two years. Uh, and I just fell out of love with basketball. I was just kind of, I don't know what it was, if I wasn't ready for the adjustments or if I wasn't ready, if I was in kind of a different headspace, but I wasn't ready for the full on commitment that it needed. And I was, just, I kind of was, I left. I, so after two years, I, you know, Kirby and I had a little talk about it. I left basketball, you know, left U of M, I was just working for a bit. Um, and that's, in, you know, in that space is when we were playing, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you were playing slumming it up. Yeah. You were slumming it <laughs> <Yeah>. with us. <laughs> uh, and that I always knew I was going to go back. Um, okay. but everybody, for me, it wasn't a question of like, if, right. It was just kind of when I had some, yeah. I had some growing up to do that needed to happen outside of basketball. Mm. Um, and honestly, those best years was the best thing for me, mm. leaving and maturing and growing up on kind of on my own terms was the best thing for me. And when I was ready, I messaged Kirby and he was like, we're ready if you're back and you're serious. And I'm like, I am, it's, it's time, I'm, I'm ready. Um, and he was already building something very special. Thankfully, I got to walk into that. And I was just kind of, um, you know, I was just a, a great piece to the puzzle. And that first year, I think we lost, we went to, ended up going to, um, went to the final four. And I think we lost in the, yeah, we lost in the third place game. Mm -hmm. uh, so we just qual just missed qualifying for nationals, but we had uh, essentially everybody coming back the next year. So our goals were kind of banner or bust, right? Nationals mm -hmm. or bust. Mm -hmm. So that's where the expectation was from the beginning. Uh, funny enough, we started worse <laughs> than we did the previous <laughs> year. Uh, we started that year worse than the previous year, but that that didn't change anything for us. We were like we knew how good we were and what we were capable of doing. And we just had to kind of stay the course. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
that whole year was going by, you know what, uh, we got in the playoffs, not in a good seed for some people. Um, we were going to go play UBC at UBC and UBC had only lost one game that year on the road. They didn't lose one single game at home. For us, we loved that matchup. We were like, we had no worries about it. We fully believed in ourselves that we were winning everything this year. Um, so we went out to BC, you know, best of three series. Uh, take the first game, take the first game in overtime, I think. Huge, you know, like the whole Canada West being like, what a upset. This was never supposed to happen. BC will bounce back, so on. So we heard it all, right? Heard all that nonsense. Uh, play the second night, goes into another very close game. Uh, we had some guys step up huge for us, monstrous for us, right? First night, AJ hits a game winner. Second night, I think, oh, that was uh, that, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. That was yeah, huge, that. huge. I think second night, flat, uh, Larion. I think he put up like almost thirty for us. He was just a monster. You know, we just had the right group of guys, and we ended up sweeping them on their court to so book crazy. our ticket to the final four. <laughs> no one expected it, right? Nobody gave us an ounce of hope to win that series. Um, and it was just like, you know, it was kind of, it felt like it was already written. You know, we were supposed to, we were supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. And we went to the finals, uh, the final four, won that game, uh, got into the finals against Alberta in Calgary. Um, unfortunately lost, lost pretty bad, but it was kind of like the silver lining in that is that making the finals uh, put us into nationals. So we had already made nationals. Um, didn't get the banner we wanted from Can West, but it was like, okay, reshift the focus because now we're going to nationals. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and like you said at the beginning, first time in 30 years. So that was huge for the program. Um, yeah. Huge to be a part of that as well. And, you know, we felt the support. We felt that support all year from everybody back home, you know, from the alumni, that is, from the community. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, so went on to nationals, didn't perform like we needed to, unfortunately, lost the first one. And after that, it was just kind of like, for us, it was just kind of over because now we were on the you know, B side of the bracket, which didn't really mean it, which was an accomplishment still, but didn't mean anything for us because we had higher aspirations at the time. But, yeah. you know, hindsight's bigger picture, uh, phenomenal what we were able to accomplish that year uh, as a program, as, you know, a group individually as well. Uh, and for the U of M, right? It's a, uh, you know, not everybody gets to go to nationals year in and year out. Uh, there's a lot of teams that haven't been for a long time. Uh, so be able to do that for Manitoba, for the school, for the city. Uh, yeah, it was a big deal. And it was, uh, I'll never forget that run we had. It was amazing. I think like the last month, the last month, this was kind of like prepping us for pro. The last month of that season, uh, I think we were on the road like 20 out of the 30 days or something like that. So it was a really, really cool experience too. But uh, yeah, it came up crazy. short, but it was a, it was an unbelievable experience. Yeah. And I remember that. Cause like, obviously, like you said, everyone was supporting you. Like, I mean, it, like we know this and people who are listening know this mantle was a small community and the basketball community is even smaller. So whenever we see this type of success outside people, people support, people are happy for this type of stuff right and i remember following obviously i'm i am an alumni as well right and i remember just like following so closely just being like so fired up and like just you know and, and the squad was just such a cool group of guys like it was made up again there were some people from outside of manitoba with tons of manitobans right like mm -hmm. key players who were manitobans which was special as well absolutely um, yeah it, it was great and then like obviously like kirby leading the charge i want to ask you about like i'm um, about kirby like obviously he was your coach for four years um 
I don't even really have a question. Like I interviewed him and obviously Kirby's a great interview, right? Like he's just like, guy. We could, you could just yeah, tell us, tell us some stories, Kirby. What tell talk about this and you'll just do it. Right. So it was like the easiest thing I've ever done. I was just mm-hmm. intrigued the whole time. But if you had to take away, if you had to say there was one thing that stood out to you about Kirby as a coach that's, that sticks with you to this day, right? Like you're playing on all these teams. You have all these coaches. You hope that some of these things stick with us, right? Especially the best practices. So what are, what are maybe one or two of the things that, that, that are always with you where his voice is in your head? I, I think just, you know, this is a little separate from what you're saying, but the biggest thing for one of the best things about playing for Kirby, besides him being a great X's and O's coach and him knowing himself completely, is that he just he he lives and breathes the game and he understands it at such a high level. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he's coach at Team Canada as well. So Kirby, like the systems he's been putting in play for us was stuff we weren't really seeing at that level because he has so much international experience. So playing for Kirby was kind of like pro prep, if you will, right? It was yeah. kind of like he was getting us already developed for the pro game. Mm-hmm. um that other coaches weren't doing because he has he has that international experience mm-hmm. so playing for him it was like we always we always joke about it that that year was just the kind of like our first year pro you know we had mm-hmm. four guys from that year alone go professional mm-hmm. so playing mm-hmm. under him and having that experience and having his knowledge just being able to be a sponge for him or uh it's just been just such a privilege he his x's and o's are kind of next to none He's always seems like he's ahead of the curve, which has been a, a blessing because I still get to come back and go to the U of M and pick his brain all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the, the thing that I appreciate about Kirby so much is he has the knowledge, but he has the ability to teach it. Like he, he's, he makes it very simple for you, right? Yeah, it's like, Oh, like I, I totally get it. Like, and whereas I know a lot of people who have the knowledge, but it's, it's hard to convey it to other people. Right. Mm-hmm. He's, mm-hmm. he's, He's very, very good at that. I would say he's an expert at in that regard specifically. So yeah, and he has um, the answers, right? Like he kind of lets you kind of come to the conclusions yourself a little bit. But this is what we're doing, and then he already knows the next three steps. But he's like, "This is what we're doing," and the guys are like, "Well, why would we do that if we don't do X, Y, Z?" And he's like, "Thank you. You're doing yes. this because, right?" He kind of he's like leading you to the water, right? Like yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah, it's great. He knows he knows his stuff. It's phenomenal. Yeah, and the yeah. thing about Kirby too, like he's a he's a human. He's not afraid to make mistakes, mm-hmm. right? He's uh, not one of those coaches where you can talk to him, uh, and he's not one of those coaches where if he if you as a player see something and you bring it to him and it turns out that's actually better, he's not too big to not implement that or to make that mm-hmm. change. Oh, ref, I see that this is better for the team. Okay, we'll do this. We'll do this instead of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout, shout out! Shout out to Kirby. Shout out yeah, to Kirby. Absolutely. No, absolutely. If, 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 if whoever's listening to this right now, if you haven't listened to Kirby's or watched Kirby's, go back and watch it. It's one of the earlier episodes. It was, I yeah, enjoyed it. Great. I enjoyed he's, it a lot. He's so. fantastic. Um, okay. So you finished playing. You only played four years. Two questions. Yeah. One, did you think about playing a fifth year? No, not at all. You I knew, knew you were like, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm okay, so that last, last year, Kirby and I discussed, I was like, after this, kind of, I'm gone. I'm going, I'm turning pro. Yeah, yeah yeah and then so talk about that process like what was it like like you have to you obviously found an agent uh they just said hey here are some teams did you have to try out like what 
Tell us about that. Yeah, I wish I was able to find an agent. No, that's, not, <laughs> that's, not, that's not how it went at all. All right, uh, let's hear it. What happened? So even like even now, you know, 2022 compared to 2017, it's night and day for Canada basketball, right? Now mm. the light is kind of being shined on Canada basketball with how good it is out here and how, how much quality players we have. Mm-hmm. Um, so the tide is turning a little bit, but overseas, all these coaches and, you know, these clubs still think like, if you have a division one tag next to your name, yeah. they see you guys the holy grail, which yeah. like overseas means nothing to be fair. Well, you know, I've been, I've come across, you know, players from big blue schools from the best schools in the States. Uh, they know that haven't kind of lived up to the, the hype, but you know, then you got guys coming from like CIS or from division three who are, who are just wanted more. And then once they're on that platform, it really shows, you know, they don't like you get removed from the comforts of your environment, you know, you get placed overseas and, you know, it really comes out. Like, are you really, are you really about it or are you not? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me that, that uh, the whole division one tag thing kind of doesn't matter. Basketball is one of those sports where if you're good enough, you will get recognized, mm-hmm. right? It's harder in football. If you're a great receiver, but you got a terrible quarterback, uh, yeah. well, you, might, you might not get noticed, right? If you're good true. in basketball, it's really good. Somebody's going to, somebody's going to see you. True, uh, true. So for me, my first year coming out, I was trying to contact these agents. And like I said, Canada at the time wasn't like as highly respected. So I was trying to contact these agents and they're kind of just like, no, no, this, that, or whatever. So i must've sent out legitimately like thousands of emails to agents, coaches, clubs, all the above. Like I've really, you know, Larry joke about this all the time because there was no one really, really before us that we were like too close to time that kind of could show us the ropes. We were kind of just doing it on our own and we had each other. So we were just kind of like doing it on our own, sending out these emails, you know, everyone from that class, I graduated with AJ John, we all are pro um, doing that process together. So I think it came, you know, September like 8th. I get a Facebook or I get a Facebook message from a coach in Norway. Uh, he is Ekop. I get a message from him and he's like, do you want to come play in uh, Norway? And I was like, this is my first offer that's come since I finished playing college. Yes. Yes, I do. So like over Facebook messenger, like agreeing that I want to <laughs> no, play. No. And he's like, hold okay, on, hold on. You didn't even talk time. to the guy? This is like, you're like texting him. We're like, like, yeah, we're like messaging like on the computer, like Facebook. And he's just like, do you want to come play? These will be the details, X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yes, we get on the phone, you know, chop it up a little bit on the phone, uh, iron out the details. He signs over the contract. And I think he sent it like on the 8th. And I think I was gone like the 10th or the 11th or something like that. Wow. Straight to to overseas. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. And then so once you played there the following year, was it again like okay i gotta like are you still grinding again like when when did you, i guess the question is is when did you really start to get like okay this guy can play and people actually want you to to play on their team yeah you know uh this wasn't a i haven't really shared this like outside of my kind of circle um so for me i didn't have an agent my first year and i was new to the whole kind of experience um so longest, oh gosh, longest story short, uh, when I went out there, they, you know, the team lawyer was like, okay, we take care of this, we take care of that, uh, the housing car, blah, 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 blah. We take care of all the visa paperwork, no nothing. You just got to show up and sign the documents. And I'm like, <laughs> me, 
like I said, I didn't really have no one before me go that I could kind of check with and be like, hey, is this how it goes? And I didn't have an agent to kind of walk me through that process. So I was just like, okay, like kind of taking it at their face value. Um, so I got there, was playing, everything was all good. And like I said, longest story short, uh, I didn't know this at the time, but it turns out uh, I was, they told me they had all my visa and my paperwork and everything was, you know, kosher. So I just kind of took their word for it. And then one day, March now, I find out that I had overstayed my uh, my time in Europe because they they had been lying to me that I had my wow. visa and I actually didn't have my visa. So if you don't, you can as a as a visitor, you can only be there for three months, right? So ninety yeah. days without a visa. Yeah. So they told me I had that because I had went to do the paperwork, but there was a mistake on it from the club's end. But they never like they never fixed that and didn't let me know. So it was one day in March, I got a letter at my door. And it said like the Norwegian immigrations or something. And I'm so I take my phone, take a picture, Google Translate it to English. And they're like, you've overstayed your welcome. Uh, you have to leave the country tomorrow. And I was like, what? Hold on. Wait a, wait a minute now. Um, so I ended up driving to the lawyer's house that night. And she's like, yeah, we've actually have known about this. And I was like, well, this is about me, kind of my life. You, you, you should have been telling me about this. Like, especially if you have known since December, yeah, right? It's something like I need to know about because this is my uh, life. Um, so she's like, we're trying to talk to them and work it out. And I was just kind of like, what the heck is going on? Um, so turns out I actually had to leave the country. So it didn't get, it didn't wow. get fixed. I had it the next day. The next day I had to go down, uh, show my proof of a flight. And the day after that, I was on a flight back home to Canada. Um, but I had finished that year really well. Statistically, I did, you know, first person in Norway to be top 10 in every category. Uh, did really well, X, Y, Z. So I had all the offers coming that year from agents and clubs. But because I had been in Norway for longer than my visa allowed me to, unfortunately, what ended up happening, um, kind of no fault to my own or my fault, if you will, because I didn't know the process. Um, I had gotten banned from the European Union for two years. Wow. Yeah. Damn. So, you know, I, you know, I rebuttaled it. I came home, hired a lawyer, uh, got all the paperwork, got all the text messages, all the details that I needed to make yeah. my case to the Norwegian immigrations and be like, look, like, if you will, I'm kind of the victim in this. Like, I know it's me that should know better because it's my person, but I didn't know all this. And they have all the, my, the power of attorney. They have all that good stuff. Mm. Um, and they were the one taking care of the visa. It's just right here in the paperwork, everything I signed over to them. Um, and we rebuttaled this three times during the summer because the first one they said no to, then we mixed it up, did it again. And the third time we did it. And the third time I was like, okay, I have everything laid out for them. Like I have all the facts, like there's no, there's absolutely no way they're going to overturn this. Impossible. We sent it to them. They didn't even, it seemed like they didn't even care to read it because they just wow. sent an email back and they're like, we made our decision. You can't rebuttal this anymore. This is final. So for me, that was like, yeah, it crushed me because I, I, you know, it took me so long to get on to, you know, all these emails and I, finally went and I did everything that I was supposed to do as a basketball player, 
you know, finally gotten recognized by agents and coaches and was going to step into a really good opportunity, a really good contract. Um, but I couldn't go to the European Union. So I couldn't go to uh, Germany, uh, Spain, uh, yeah. France, which was where I was getting all these really good offers from. Um, so that that kind of what like wouldn't derail me a little bit, but kind of deflated my tires. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Now I couldn't like all the places you want to play in Europe, I couldn't go. So I was, you know, I was sat there. I was like, damn, like, is this what it's like? You know, do I really want to, like, do I really want to do this? And when I first got out to Norway, my first uh, week there, I remember, <laughs> I remember I got out there and I landed and my luggage didn't show up until two weeks later. So I had like, you know, two pair of boxers. I was like washing by hand and recycling, like, you know, like two pairs of socks I was washing by hand, you know, and I'm kind of like, is this the pro-life? Do I really want to do this? Is this what it's all about? Um, yeah, you know, so I came home that summer and it was tough for me. You know, I was really down on my luck. I was kind of, I didn't know if I wanted to do this. You know, you know, it was, it was tough. I didn't know if I wanted to continue. Um, you know, but I was like, yeah, I got to give this a go. I got to kind of see this through. I can't like, I can't let someone else write my story and kind of end this journey for me. Um, so I hired an agent and then had to go to Eastern Europe. Uh, so I went there for a year and then I went to the Middle East for a year. Um, and now I'm finally, it's all kind of ended. So I've been back in Europe playing again in Western Europe playing. And it's just kind of like monkey off the back a little bit, you know? Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's an, I never heard that story. That's wild. Yeah. Man. That's, I've never, that's I've a... never told it outside of people who were like, I was really like my family and my best friend. Yeah. 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 That's crazy, man. That's like, so, so it was a, it was a two year ban. But then Two after that, time. it just expired, like, naturally? Or do you have to, like... Yeah, no, after that, it, it just kind of all washed itself away. So I remember um, I remember I was playing with the national team, and we had a layover in uh, Paris, and I was just kind of like, it's over now, but can I, can I get in? Like, yeah. like, can I just, like, walk in and go, like, explore for 15 hours? So I, I was... My, some of my teammates were going, and I was just kind of like, well, here goes nothing, because if not... They're not going to let me in because I have yeah. a ban, right? Yeah. So we all went and then like I go last and I'm like shaking, handing them my passport, you know, and stamp it, let me in all good. And, you know, wow. I didn't even notice it. But as soon as they stamped it and they let me in, there was just like this huge relief off yeah. my shoulder. There no was just weight I was carrying that I didn't even know was there, you know, like the kind of monkey off the back. And mm -hmm. so all these guys, they were just going exploring Paris and it was nothing for me. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm finally back yeah I'm finally yeah. here again so yeah wow. it was a it was a crazy ride my first year you know i wish i had i wish i was able to get an agent and i also wish i had known better you know i wish i could have talked to more people you know hindsight always kind of 2020 but also like you know i i don't take everything there's you know there's positives in everything you know i i could have made that a a terrible situation and start to stop playing basketball mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or you know take a silver lining and take it for what it was yeah. So for me, the silver lining in going to Norway, I had gotten banned from Europe for two years, but also my coach of my team in Norway was also pre uh, at the time, uh, the previous coach of the Nigerian national basketball team. Oh, and he was, so the this one is the connection. This is the connection. And he was the one being like, well, why aren't you playing for the national team? And I was just kind of like, I don't know. I never, I never really thought about it. 
So then that summer, he put me in contact with everyone that I should have. And I've been on the national team since that summer because of him. So it's kind of like, you know, like, you know, take the good with the bad a little bit, you know? So if I didn't go there, I don't know if I would be playing for the national team. Right. But if I, you know, if I didn't go there, I wouldn't have also gotten banned for the two years. So, you know, like silver lining in it is that I now I'm playing for the national team. And it's taking me back home to Africa for the first time in my life. So, yeah, you know, you yeah. kind of it's it's a it's a weird kind of dynamic there for sure. For sure. That's a, that's a, such a crazy story. Like the, yeah. the like that's wild, man, because like you said, like you probably wouldn't have been having those years of playing with the Nigerian national team had you not gone there. Like it's just it probably wouldn't have happened or maybe it would have, but maybe way later or like whatever the. That's just crazy. That's such a, that's, and I mean, life, it's, what would that be like serendipitous? I don't know if that's the right word, but life is crazy, man. Like, yeah, absolutely. Things, whenever absolutely. you can sit back and look backwards, you're like, man, that's, that's actually kind of crazy. Yeah, so, it's wild. It's wild how it happened. Well, I mean, again, I, you actually, you answered my next like question because I was going to like, well, how'd you even get on the team? But I mean, I, I saw you, I don't know if it was an interview you did or a social media post. I don't know. All this stuff is just kind of like, you know, it goes in your head. You don't know where it came from, but you, you did express some of your gratitude and even some emotion with reconnecting with that part of your culture and and, and representing a national team and even some of your teammates. So I don't know, you kind of were getting, you kind of started talking a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, you know the post I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Um, so, yeah. So for me, like I said, that connection with uh, Norway was just kind of, I don't, it's wild. I don't even know how to sum it up. It's just, it's wild. It kind of is what it is. It's a, it's a beautiful disaster kind of, right? <laughs> there you go. Um, so, but within that connection, so at the time I was going to play now, I was 20, I was trying out for the national team in Nigeria. Um, this was my first time, obviously my dad is Nigerian, my mom is Canadian. So this is my first time going to Nigeria at 26 and I'm going for a basketball tryout. Uh, first time ever going home. This is going to be the first time possibly meeting anyone on my dad's side of the family, right? Uh, so, of course, my dad, you know, we talked to our family back home and they're like, you know, he's going to be down there trying for the national team. And like, okay, we're going to drive up from the village to come see him. And I, for me, I'm like, dad, I really want to lock in and, and try to make this yeah. team. Like, I don't know if they should come to the airport because I don't know what's going to happen. I've never been to Africa. I don't know what's going to happen when I land. I don't know if they're going to take us off right away. Like, I just don't know. And I just want to focus. I really want to see them. But like, I really, really want to make this team. So like, please let me just like lock in a little bit here. So he tells them and they're kind of like, we don't care. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, we, we don't care. And I'm kind of, I don't know if they come to the airport. I don't know if I'll be able to see you guys. So go to Africa, 26, having met, having met anyone on my dad's side of the family, um, go to Africa, we land in Nigeria, get off the plane. You know, there's this whole, there's this whole show put on for us. We're outside now. The, you know, there's a bunch of fans that are there. Uh, there's music playing, there's performers. We're walking down the line, shaking hands, um, shaking hands with people. And I go and I'm going, I'm going. The next thing I know, it's my uncle standing there that I've never met before in my life. And he drove up 12 hours from our village for the opportunity to meet me at the airport. Wow. Right. And I'm just kind of like, oh my gosh, like for, he just drove 12 hours down here for the opportunity to maybe be able to meet me. Right. Like his brother's son 
for the first time ever. And I just looked at him and I was just like, I was in shock, you know, like I for sure, like, you know, that shed a tear or two, right? I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. We got to talk for like 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Then I had to leave and he took off 12 hours back home. Wow. You know, just, just to talk for 20 minutes. And for me, immediately I was like, this is like, this is way bigger than basketball. You know, like mm. I have basketball to thank for bringing me here. But being back in Nigeria, this is like, this trip is everything to me. So now mm. there's, now there's not an option. Like I'm making this team no matter what, you know? <laughs> like it, it has to happen. There's no other way it could go down. Uh, so thankfully I do. So I'm out there for two weeks. Um, then we, at the end of it, we end up playing games the last uh, weekend while we're there. So my, you know, a couple of my uncles and my cousins come up and they're, they're with, they're now, you know, I'm meeting them there now at the hotel. I get to hang out with them, spend some actual time with them. Um, and they're so excited because now our, our last name, the Omera last name is now in the, in the newspaper back in our village. So now our family's name is the part <laughs> of the village, right? Everybody's kind of talking about the Omeras, this yeah. and that. So they get to come to the games, you know, which is a, a phenomenal, phenomenal moment. Um, so we get to spend some actual time together. You know, uh, I leave them with some of some our gear that says like Omera on the back of it. And they're just like over the moon. And I remember, uh, I, I remember we were in the, uh, we were just on the shops, like on the street. Uh, and I remember I was FaceTiming my dad because I was like, hey, I, I want to grab some stuff. What would you like? Um, and I'm FaceTiming him and my dad is just, uh, we're just talking. And I'm like, okay, like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to hang up. Just, you know, just naive, whatever you want to call it. You know, just a normal FaceTime for him and I, like, can do that any day of the week type of thing. Meanwhile, his brother is standing right there. And they haven't seen each other face-to-face interaction in like 20 years. So I'm just like getting ready to hang up the phone, like so nonchalant about it. And he's like, Hey, do you mind if I talk to dad real quick? And I was just kind of like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, like you haven't seen him in 20 years and the ignorance of me just to be like, yeah, "Yeah, dad. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Like no problem. Like whatever. Right. And I just like, like, Oh my, like, what was I, what was I thinking? And I just stand back and I watch them like have that interaction and they're talking face to face for the first time in forever. And I'm just like, this is, this is bigger than life, man. This is way bigger than me, way bigger than basketball. So for me, that trip was like, that trip was absolutely everything to me. That's, I mean, the best basketball trip I've been on in my life, the best trip I've been on in my life, period. And being back home, being back in Nigeria, you know, like getting to find out more of who I am uh, as a man, right? And more of who my family is. Yeah, that, that to me is, that to me is absolutely everything absolutely yeah. everything damn that's yeah. crazy man that's hey um i was getting like when you were you talking about with your uncle there i was like getting like teared up man i was getting emotional i was just like jeez oh. man like that's like overwhelming like i can i could I can just sense how that like how overwhelming that would be and then what so um have you been back i guess is the question since then so i haven't been back since 2018 no um so i was hoping so there's another basketball window coming up in august and I was hoping it was going to be in Nigeria. And then me and my dad would go back together for the first time. Mm. And that would have been, you know, that's, that's the, uh, for me, that's the ceiling, right? Mm. Like going back to Nigeria with my dad, once I do that, like, I'm good. You know, that's, <laughs> that, that trip is everything for me and for us, for our family. Um, yeah, yeah. 
So I was hoping it was going to be there, but it's not. It's going to be in the Ivory Coast. So I think, you know, next summer, the plan is in the works, whether we're going back there for basketball or not. We're just we're just going. You're going. So next summer is when I'm I'm going to go spend some real time down there with me and my dad. Nice. Uh, yeah. And that's like uh, that's the that's the peak, man. That's Mount Everest for me. That has to happen. I love it. I love it. So it's so funny because my next question was going to be, so what's your most memorable basketball store? But I feel like that's that was it. I don't that's know. That's it. Yeah, by far. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, it. Yeah. Not, nothing, uh, else, nothing else pops with that. Like, oh, man. That's, that's, really, that's really everything for me. That's, that's, that's what's up. I love it, man. I love hearing that stuff. Like I said, I can... Like I said, I was getting emotional for a minute there, man. I was like, man, like, but I I think that's, it's such an interesting thing because, you know, I think so many people who've played ball and have gotten to travel, even like, even think about when you were young, like you just traveled around Canada and you're like, yo, this is crazy. Like what's going on? Like, and, and so that's the one thing I love about basketball and it could, it's probably said about every sport, but you know, we're basketball players. It's like, it, it, it it shows you a world that you would have never known. You meet people you would have never known. Um, it, It completely changes your your experience of your life like 100 you know. yeah uh i mean you know as you know we got the game to be so thankful for showing us different parts of the world right mm-hmm. i know for sure you know that i wouldn't be i wouldn't have gone to half of the places that i've gone mm-hmm. if it wasn't for basketball yep. like you know basketball's taking me back to nigeria now you know to angola to ivory coast to rwanda you know i've been in china uh you know, the middle, like Iran, the Middle yeah. East, all over Europe. You know, it's, it's it's because of this damn orange basketball <laughs> that's, you know, brought me to these places. Thankfully, you know, I have, yeah. I have basketball to thank for taking me to all these beautiful places and, and helping me make all these beautiful connections. So it's definitely like, it's definitely a tool. You know, it's 100%. online Kirby Chef has always said, yeah, here you go, coming for full circle. <laughs> always said, it's always stuck with me is... is Use the game of basketball. Don't let the game of basketball use you. Well right? said. It's, all, it's always, always stuck with me. Well said. Well said. It's it's interesting because, you know, I was going to, my next question was going to be like, we're, I was going to like, hey, we got to wrap this up, man. Like, I, I feel like we could just keep chopping it up and talk because, I mean, you're you're a very good storyteller. Um, yeah. And uh, and you have interesting stories, which is, which which helps a lot. But typically I like, you say, okay, we're coming to the end of the interview. And I ask mm-hmm. some questions, but I don't even have to ask. Those questions don't have to be asked because you just answer them in so many ways. But the last thing I, which again, you could just say this was it. You can be like, no, no, that was the advice. Is I usually ask people to 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 pass on some advice. So if they're a coach, talk to young coaches, right? In your case, it would be like talk to young players, talk to those maybe those players in college or or even players in high school that mm-hmm. want to play professionally. Um, so the question exactly is, what advice would you give them if you had a bunch of people? from Manitoba and you're giving a speech, right? We have Keith O'Mara's coming out. He's giving a speech or talking to the provincial team, for example, or, or, you know, you're talking to the high school. What advice would you give to those players who actually want to go on and play pro? Yeah. I mean, the short and long of it uh, would be one, the Kirby chef using him at basketball, <laughs> don't let it use you. And the yeah. other part of it is that, uh, you know, for me is also kind of the same thing. It's don't cheat the game and the game won't cheat you. You know, kind of like I had said earlier, you know, uh, with football, you could be a great wide receiver, but if you don't have a good quarterback, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. With basketball, you know, uh, if you're good enough and you work hard enough, you're bound to get noticed, right? As big as this world is, as big as the basketball community is, it's also very small, right? Mm-hmm. There's somebody that knows someone that knows someone and so on and so forth. So 
just kind of staying the course and being true to yourself, uh, I think is, is going to take you as far as you want to. Everybody's, everybody's, everybody's course and timeline and storyline is, is different. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, going through that time period of the, you know, when I got, couldn't go to Western Europe and I was like, you know, why me? Like, I could have sat there and sulked for as long as I wanted to, but it was just part of my journey and part of my mm-hmm. story. And mm-hmm. I look back at it now and I would have loved to have been in certain situations, but also I would have never gone to Eastern Europe. I would have never gone to the Middle East. So it, it's all a blessing, you know, take mm-hmm. it as a blessing, work hard, kind of stay the course. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said, man. I, I really enjoyed this, Keith. I mean, like, again, I, there's so oh, much wow. that I, I didn't know. Like I said, what the story in my mind of you is Grand Park, good player, played at U of M, took some years off, played against me. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I know you play for Nigeria. You're on that U of M team, but like all these fine details. And I think this is, you know, basketball has taken both of us in, all over the world, literally. And, but it's like being able to like sit, and, and talk with people like yourselves and like hear your stories and have you share those is, is it, for me, it just means so much, man. So I really appreciate this time. And I know that I know that people listening are enjoying, have, have enjoyed our conversation. So I appreciate you having me. It's funny too, from my end, like you don't relive or revisit these stories all the time too. So me talking about them, you know, it's bringing up these kind of like euphoric feelings for me too. So I'm yeah. glad I got to kind of be here and uh, yeah. share this with you. You can, you can feel it. I can feel yeah. it, man. I can, I can feel <laughs> your energy. That's why I was like, geez, I'm like, this guy's making me emotional. Like I wasn't there. What's, what's going on here? But, but it's like, it's like when you're a basketball player and I think we probably have more in common than just basketball, but definitely have the basketball thing in common. Like there, you, there's so much relatable moments. And when you're describing stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I get that. I get it. I get yeah. it. You know? And so, yeah, um, yeah no, it, it was, it was really good. And um, I appreciate you, man. I think we'll just say, we'll say goodbye there. All right. Well, hold on. One thing. <laughs> what do you got? I, I just want to say Darcy, he hasn't kind of alluded to the fact that Darcy's part of my story as well. You know, there was a time I really couldn't shoot and, you know, Darcy, <laughs> me and Darcy got together and Darcy, <laughs> shout out to you because we spent hours in that CMU gym. I forgot about that, man. See, I, I forgot it. about that. Oh, man. That, my wrist still hurts. Because <laughs> I was scared. Like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> was I making you do this thing, too? Yeah. Like, get the wrist back. <laughs> I mean, I remember my shot was like this. I'd always hold my finger. And you said every court I go to when I play this summer, when I shoot, I have to say spread every yeah, single like, just to like, yeah, to like get the snap. Yeah. <laughs> man, I forgot oh, yeah. about that. Like, geez, man, yeah, that's hours, hey. hours in that CMU gym together. That's true, man. It, it, man, yeah. Honestly, I would be a terrible guest because people like <laughs> remind me about these type of stuff all the time. I'm like, I forgot about that, and so I, I don't even <laughs> remember half these things. So I, I appreciate that, man. I, I appreciate that. Like I said, I've been a fan since uh, since I, the first game I saw you, man. I, rem- I remember it very very vividly that's again i don't have a good memory but i remember that very very specifically so um this is this is a nice this is a nice full circle moment then i really appreciate it all All right brother okay you take care oh man all right peace thank you very much thanks for listening to today's episode please like subscribe follow and share this series and reach out to us with your comments on the show thanks again for joining us